0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it.
1: Something's in the water here. Isaac and Jade uh, are, are getting married, um, and uh, they're going to be attending a church in East London, where where Jade is, has, has grown up, and Isaac's going to be joining her there. A few of us are going to the wedding. In fact, I'm speaking at the wedding. It's on a Friday in a couple of weeks, isn't it? so I'm just going to pray for this couple. Why don't we reach out our hands to them? Father, we we, we do thank you for this uh, for this couple. Thank you for the way you brought them together. I thank you for the very clear journey we've brought them on. Thank you for the, uh, just the period of time that we've known Isaac and then got to know James. Lord, our prayer is that you would bless this relationship, yeah, yes. that you'll bless this marriage, that it will bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Mm. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, yes, New Day. So, um, as you know, uh, one of the things that I do away from... Beacon, or really part of Beacon, is I'm involved on the team of New Day, Um, and uh, what that simply means is I have lots of meetings in the year, and then at New Day I have lots of meetings. That's really what it means. Um, And uh, yeah, New Day's a busy week. However, uh, an even bigger joy than that for me is the fact that as a local church, with other churches, with other people locally, we've begun to take... Uh, young people to New Day and my own personal favourite moment of New Day, I can't remember what evening it was, but the meeting had finished and the 6,000 people had left the tent and there was about three groups left and one of those groups was, uh, there was just, I could see towards, I suppose they're in the middle, over to the left and, and I'm normally right down the front and one of those groups was our group. And they were just all standing there or sitting there or lying there, praying and worshipping. And I'm like, look what God is doing. And uh, the reason it so excites me is because I remember at that age doing that. I remember being gripped myself by God through going to an event, nothing quite like New Day, but a bit like New Day and and what God did for me there when God gripped me there it changed my life forever Yeah, the reason I'm a pastor is not because um, one day I, I, I filled out a careers form and said I'd like to be a pastor one day because I didn't want to be a pastor in that sense at all but it was because God gripped me when I was 16, 17, 18 years of age and he never let go and it changed me it's literally changed me forever and so um, when I see young people encountering God and, and then they go off and do their own thing as though nothing's just happened, but actually everything has happened. Everything has happened. And so that's a real... It's just really encouraging. That was my favourite moment of New Day. Anyway, I'm asking Becky, sorry, to come up. And she's oh. going to share uh, some thoughts about New Day. And she's going to bring Renady Come up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so... Welcome, welcome, Andy. Yeah, You're always getting called up. <laughs> okay, so Becky, why don't you just say something about um, who we took to New Day, the, the group that we went with, okay. so it wasn't just us.
2: No, no, no. We had So we had about 20 from Beacon, um, and then we were part of Brixton Church Together, so we took um, a group from Croydon through... Croydon! Yeah. <laughs> your bro. Um And, and then um, another group from the Brixton Churches Together youth, which meet on a Friday night. So, I think there's about 50, 55 of us. It's a nice little crew. Um, It was good. Lally was great. She was overseeing the site. And Ben and Jen were just wicked. Cooking loads of great food. Doing that thing.
1: And so, why don't you say what you enjoyed most about New Day?
2: Okay. So, yeah, I I had a great time at New Day. Really, really good. Um, Which I was surprised at. I've had so, like, yeah so little sleep i was just it was just crazy so probably averaging like three four hours of sleep but i don't think i've laughed that hard in quite a while it was hilarious so it's like hand day it's like two o'clock in the morning and we're waiting for people to go to sleep you guys go to sleep and um, we're just like rolling around chuckling oh yeah it's great um <laughs> um but there is yeah so um bumper cars did you know bumper cars can be so fun you get a group of you on them. It's just, you just literally want to drive as fast as you can at that person. It's just a great opportunity. I don't condone that elsewhere. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was great. Um, the serious stuff. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> it's all serious, Becky. It's it, all is, serious. it is, it
2: um, is. The actual meetings were, were great. But what my favourite thing was um, was praying. So... I think between all the leaders, like that was, uh, we're praying and j- but also just as a group, we just at the end of each meeting or during the worship, we just end up praying for each other. We just, um, I don't know, just it's a great opportunity. We had a couple of times they've organised this time where we could go and get some people to pray over the guys. Um, I got a professor word out of that was which was nuts. And but just seeing each like like all the youth just praying for each other was really really special. Um, on the last day we sat down with them like, each and just, like, said, how's your week been and what you've got from this? And that was really amazing just to hear, just taking a group away and what God can do, like, and hearing people talk just openly and genuinely about their faith, I was really encouraged um, and really excited. So,
1: yeah. Okay, Renadie, why don't, um, this... <laughs> this was not your first new day. So how, how many new days have you been to, Renadie? Three new days. Okay, okay. And uh, had you ever been to anything like that before you came to New Day? No. No. no, no, no. Had you ever camped before? No. No. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, why don't you just say a little bit about um, just what's happened to you over those three new days? Cause, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about your baptism, which was earlier this month, earlier this year. But why don't you just say a little bit about you, you've been to New Day three times? What, what's happened? How's it? How's it affected you?
0: A lot has changed over the past two years. Um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I'd say the person I was and the person I've become has completely changed, um, especially mentally as well. Before, mentally, like what was going through my head used to like be crazy, but the way was, like the way how God has touched, touched me and changed me has been incredible. Um, for example the way how I see God um, before I used to see God as just someone who's up there and he is God but he's not a part of my life okay. but now how I see it is he lives inside of me and every single day I live for him wow. and okay. the way I am and the person I want to be is to please him yeah. and also I think Becoming a Christian has also helped me with my family as well. Okay. Um, before, my mum never really used to trust me. Um, <laughs> we, all, we all know that. <laughs> yeah, she never really used to trust me, but um, as the two years have gone by and I've learned lots of things and um, I've been challenged in so many different ways, um, my mum has begun to trust me and has almost seen me mature, in a way. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's just been really been, really been like a game-changing experience. Wow. Um, yeah.
1: Now, I know that um, last month in August, you got, you got baptised, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, why don't you say a little bit about that?
0: Um, at first, I didn't really want to get baptised because I didn't really see the point of it. But it got to the point where I felt God told me that I should do it. Yeah. And um, there was one time I was walking... Um, by myself, I think I was come back from football training, and I just felt God telling me that I should do it. And when I do it, that He will give me a gift. Um, okay. At the time, I didn't know what it was, but straight after I got baptized, I think it's like two days later I started speaking in tongues. Wow. Then I realized that um, that's the gift that God was holding for me, and I think just getting baptized is. Is, is a really good experience because your experience is like you feel new and mm. all your past and everything that happened before has been taken away and it's like you're a new person.
1: Yeah, and you're making that public, aren't you? Yeah. So where did you get baptised, Toby? Brighton Sea. <laughs> yeah. In the sea in Brighton. Okay, <laughs> so some radical, radical thoughts there. Uh, anything else that either of you just want to say about your new day or your experiences? Are you going to say something about youth going forward?
2: Oh, I do. Um, yeah, so we. Uh, hello. <laughs> um, we were meeting last year um, just at my flat every other Sunday. Dave and I were like, we got a group, which is wicked. And we just started that again last week. So we met in the front. We're in the front room. Um, yeah, just on a Sunday during church every other Sunday. Okay. Um, also, just thank you to everyone. Like, that's what I wanted to say. Just um, everyone. I know a lot of people were praying. A lot of people were. Um, serving like I can know people here that were at New Day and like um just thank you I'm um, like it just was a great week and it's just an opportunity for God to meet with people so thank you for your prayers for your gifts and all that jazz thanks. Benedy did you want to say anything or are you okay, um, yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> oh, okay
2: yeah.
1: I
0: guess just a thing that we should always search for God and that we should always have faith that He's always there. Yeah. I think that sometimes we forget who He is and how yeah. far He can take us. That yeah. we should remember that He's a God with unlimited power, and um, when, he, when He tells you He can do something, He will do it. Yeah, yeah. So we shouldn't be like, we should have a lack of faith, basically. Okay.
1: Wow. I hope that um, wasn't just a nice in, encouraging feedback. I hope you were challenged by uh, what they were saying. Uh, just Renity's description of, I used to think God was out there and then I realised he's in my heart. He's now in me. I mean, that's, uh, that's powerful. So i 'm um, hopefully just going to speak briefly today. Um, I did want to just highlight that next Sunday we begin a new uh, preaching series called uh, the Village and uh, uh, yeah the village and this idea that it takes it takes a village to to achieve stuff you can 't achieve stuff alone. no man is an island. no man really ever does things just on their own. Um, it takes a village, it takes a community, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to um, care for the elderly or for the dying, it takes a village. And churches have great potential to build great villages. Yeah? And the reason that is, is because churches over and above any other community that exists on the earth are the place where God dwells. And that can be, in our modern day, uncomfortable... Uh, Truth, an uncomfortable truth. The reason is Fumi shares a story, and she shares a story about a fire in her flat which went from, if I got it right, the second floor to the seventh floor, and it and you're on the fourth floor? The first floor. The the first floor. So so she is protected from that fire and her testimony is God protects his own. Yeah. Today that's very uncomfortable. Because we like to think God protects and loves everybody exactly the same. But that would not be truthful if you actually look at the Bible. God does protect his own. God does look after those who are his, who acknowledge him as Lord. He does do that differently. And uh, even even Renit is an example of almost allowing God to work in his life changes him. And it changes his, his mind. It changes his relationships. If you don't allow God to work in your life, you won't change. You won't change. So, we're going to be looking at this idea of, of the village um, and God building. God builds um, really communities. I mean, I call it a village partly because we live in a world where everyone wants to be in a village, don't we? We have a village in Brixton. 100 years ago, you wouldn't, or 10 years ago, you wouldn't have imagined villages in places like Brixton. They're not villages. Villages are little places you go to. There's a big village called Plumpton. I've been to it. Yeah, and there's a little village hall and there's a village green. No, these days, when we, people speak about villages, they're not necessarily talking about a geographical particular kind of place. What they're talking about is a community that I belong to and that I invest in. And so we have the potential to do that as as good, if not better, than anyone else simply because at the heart of our village... It's a community where God dwells. It's not a community where we're great. It's a community where God dwells. And you'll discover as we go through it how much God builds community and is for community. So from next week, we're going to be looking at that and different people will look at that over the next period of time. The other thing I just want to say is we've got a dedication on the 9th of October I am hoping and praying that we will have a baptism on the 20th of November. Yeah, I'm hoping and praying that we will have a baptism. Um, there's a couple in the church who, they're not here today, they're going to run a course just a, a, called a study in faith and baptism course and that's going to begin in October but it's for anyone who has not done what Renedy described that he did. Yeah? Now, you don't need to go to Brighton Beach to be baptised. You just need some water and some witnesses, and you can do it there. But um, anyone who hasn't been baptised in that kind of way, I want to encourage you to do this course that we're going to run. It's only going to run for three or four weeks. It'll be after church on a Sunday. We'll even provide food if it helps keep you there to do it. Um, um, uh, just so that you, if you're at that point, even if you decide in the end, I don't want to be baptised, at least you understand why we get baptised. Why, why do Christians get baptised? Why, do why does anyone do it? Well, we want to go through uh, just um, really just looking at what does the Bible say about baptism? Why is it that Christians do it? Because bottom line, you do it out of obedience. Renedy said, God spoke to me about being baptised. Do you know what? God has spoken to all of us about being baptised. You need to understand that. So we're going to run that course at the moment, I don't, I've got no one on it, yeah? So this is faith, and I'm putting it out there. I don't know anyone who's going to do this course now, partly because nobody knew until now that we're doing it. But, but there's no one who signed up to do this course. But my prayer is that some will sign up to do this course and that they will come through and that the 20th of November, that's the kind of day I've penciled in, we will have a baptism here. And we will do whatever we need to do to get a pool here and we'll do it in our service. Yeah so we're not going anywhere we're going to do it in the morning in here somehow some way yeah so i just want you to know that and you need to know that i'm praying towards that but this morning i want to talk out of a passage that i hadn't even planned to speak out of it i was really praying and just meditating this week on what should i be speaking on on sunday and then a friend of mine sent me an email which And then I began to pray into that, and and God began to to, to unpack stuff. So I'm going to speak briefly into a a passage that was really given to me this week. And the passage is this, Psalm 68, if you have a Bible, but I think it should come up, uh, NIV version, hopefully. Um, Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. Where is it? And it says this, it's talking about God, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling, God sets the lonely in families, he leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And this is not the bit I'm talking about, but you just need to see the difference between how God deals with people who he is with and who he is for. He sets the lonely in families, he leads forth the prisoners in singing, but the rebellious he deals with differently. You just need to note that. So we're just going to unpack a couple of parts of that verse. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you for that testimony about Audrey and the healing over those six months. And God, we were one of those churches that prayed for that. And it has been miraculous. There were moments, God, in conversation with Phil where we were kind of preparing. We were kind of preparing. But God, you were gracious. And you showed yourself to be powerful. And so um, we come to a God of great power And we come with great faith and we ask that you would speak to us even in these moments. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now this is a very, to some, at least parts of this, is a very familiar passage. And in truth, I'm going to focus on the bits that are familiar. That God is a father to the fatherless and God sets the lonely in families. He's a father to the fatherless and he sets the lonely in families. Now in the past, when I used to think about this verse, because it's, it's an often quoted verse, um, when I used to think about this verse, I used to think really um, naively and I suppose simply that it, that it was talking about single parent families and single people. Single parent families, God is a father to the fatherless. Here are some families, maybe they don't have a father, God's a father to them. Oh yeah, it's talking about single parent families and it's talking about single people because single people are lonely. Yeah. Now I confess, in my naivety and my simple way of thinking, that's what I thought about this verse. And isn't God wonderful because he doesn't do those two things. He changes that. I used to think about it like that. But I've realised, particularly this week, as I've thought and prayed and just meditated, it's a bit more fundamental than that. It's a bit more fundamental than, than, than describing two kinds of people, two groups of people. Because I just want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to ask you to put your hand up if you have ever felt, and I'll define what I mean, fatherless. What I mean by that is you've lacked good, sensible, godly, spiritual wisdom or an example to follow. Just put your hand up if you've ever felt like that. Yeah? Okay, so most of us. Yeah. And, and we're not all, we're not all single parent, from single-parent families. But most of us, at some point in our lives, have felt fatherless. We've felt like, I don't even know what to do. There seems to be a million choices to make and I don't know how to make them. We've all felt that. Secondly, and I think it will be a similar response, I want you to put your hand up if you've ever felt lonely. Maybe you're in the midst of a crowd, maybe you've got friends, maybe you've got family all around you, but I want you to put your hand up if you've ever felt lonely. Okay, <laughs> again, most, most of us. You don't need to be a single person to feel lonely. Yeah. In fact, the most bitter type of loneliness must be when you think you're, you're married, I've got lots of children, but I still feel lonely. It's like the person who, who wins a million pounds and discovers it doesn't do the satisfying thing they thought it would. That must be the most bitter kind of lack of satisfaction. I've got all the money I could ever spend, and yet I'm still not happy. So I can, at least, rule out money makes me happy. Yeah, Most people still can't do that. So we're still thinking, you never know. If I had money, I think I would feel happy. Most of us could still think that because we don't have enough money to know what it's like to have more money than we know what to do with. And some of you are thinking, I don't care, I'd like the money, I don't care. Yeah? <laughs> Just give me the money, I'll worry about the problems later. Yeah, That's how we often feel about it, I get there. Yeah, I get there. But if you think about this passage, God is a father to the fatherless, He puts the lonely in families. In reality, he's talking about all of us. He's talking about all of us. These are basic needs felt the world over. You don't need to be a Christian to feel fatherless and you don't need to be a Christian to feel lonely. They are basic needs. In fact, what do we do? Because of those two things, we create communities to help satisfy those needs. We look for people to help satisfy those needs. That, that I want someone to look up to, I want an example to follow. Who am I going to follow? Oh, I know, I'm going to follow Michael Jackson. Yeah, because he's made loads of money, he's been really successful, he's done stuff. Yeah? Now, the truth is, if I'd sat down with Michael Jackson at any point in my life and we went to Costa, if Costa were around when he was still, like we went to Costa, I would discover that being him hasn't brought fathering. It's not brought good example necessarily. Or having all that money hasn't made him feel better. I would discover that, I'm pretty sure if I had that kind of conversation. But we create communities to satisfy the needs that we have. We look for celebrities to become, and we don't even even these days, if we're honest, look for fathers. We just look for mentors. We just look for friends. Anyone I can look up to. Anyone. Anyone who seems a little bit further ahead, I'll look to. Yeah. Sometimes we end up, it's the blind leading the blind. No one knows where they're going, but we're all wandering around, looking at one another. And also, because we lack this family thing, we simply look for friends. And we're just satisfied with something less than what God might have for us. Okay, I don't have that family. We know what we mean. When we talk about family, you kind of understand we think it's more than just friends. Yeah? It's more than just friends. If family at best is more than just that. But we settle for friends. We settle for acquaintances. We, we settle for social media. We settle for other stuff to fulfil these two deep holes in us, a need to be fathered and a need to belong, a need to be in a family. And sometimes we settle for things, but let's be honest, at what cost? At what cost do I join this group or that group? At what cost do I make these friends? Like my family. At what cost? Many of us, even in the church, dismiss the church as the place where we might find this. We think, well, it's not the church. So I'll find it somewhere else. I'll go to church. Their basic needs. God recognises this is an issue. Yeah and the reason it's an issue is because we're created in the image of God and God never created a single God is not one person in the sense that he is without community God lives in community God is father Yeah God describes himself as a father. He describes himself as having a son. God has a spirit. They are distinct. They are different. God lives in community. God lives in relationship. The people that he he has created are to do the same. He recognises this as an issue. Therefore, he says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I will set the lonely in families. It's always been his intention to answer those questions. That's not just some poetry in the Bible that God is saying or that's not just some way of us trying to distinguish between, you know, single parents and single people and how do we God has always intended to answer those questions and whether it appears good to us or not his answer was what? His answer was what? So what he does, we read, and I'm not even necessarily quoting a particular scripture. His answer all the time was to send his son Jesus, who would inaugurate a new community in which God would dwell at the centre. That was always the plan. To have a new community in which God, in the form of his son Jesus, would dwell at the center. Even in the Old Testament, with the people of God, he dwelt at the center through the tabernacle, through the ark. He dwelt there, he was there. They used to come to the place where God was. Always, he intended to build a people in which he dwelt at the center. And he would answer through that new community that he would develop these two very, very deep needs. To be fathered and to be in a family, to belong. Fathering speaks of identity and direction. Yeah, If you have a good father, then you will have something of their identity and also they'll help you with direction. you just get some good wisdom, good thought, Family speaks of belonging and purpose. If you're in a family, if you're in a good family, you'll feel you belong somewhere. You won't feel like I'm just looking for something around. You'll feel, hey, I belong somewhere. And you'll feel I've got purpose. And God calls us to those two things. This is what it says in Ephesians about really the purpose of God. In the earth. Ephesians 3, chapter... I can't see things. What's going on here? Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Some, something's gone wrong. <laughs> verse 10, it says this. is talking about God. And it talks about, just in verse 9, um, to make plain. God's plan, all the time, was to make plain... To everyone the administration of this mystery. Yeah, There's a mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God. God had a mystery all the time. Creation and history is going on. God has this plan. It's this mystery which he's kept hidden for ages. And the mystery was this. His intent was that now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That through the church. Many of us don't love the church. But God loves the church. And God always intended that through the church the manifold, his manifold wisdom would be displayed. And part of his wisdom would be to answer these two questions. In the church, in God's mind, people will feel fathered. In the church, people will belong to a family. And what that will mean is that they will have identity, they will have direction, they will belong, and they will have purpose. And they won't need to run around trying to find all those things because I will give them all of those things. That's why God did the church. That was his purpose. And that Jesus coming was always the inauguration of that thing. So when we talk about this idea of the village, you're talking about a kingdom, you're talking about a group of people in which, in which God dwells at the centre and in which Jesus is king. And where Jesus is king, there are certain values. There are certain things that are important. It's not your values and my values and we all bring them together and try and make up something else. There are certain things that matter to God. And over the next few weeks, that's exactly what we'll be looking at. What what matters? How does it work? In other passages, Ephesians 4 Verse 11, it taught, outlines the purpose of the church and how God is going to build it. And that he's going to use apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastors, pastor teachers. And what does it say about that? Let me see if I can read it over my glasses. I can't read it. This is very small words. It says this, to prepare. Okay, now that's, no, that's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, ne- the next bit, the next bit. Okay, I'll just read it from here. Um, To prepare God's people, this this is what God did, why he brought apostles and prophets, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of all those gifts given to the church in order to build the church? To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body may be, um, of Christ may be built up. The purpose of the church was not just to give you friends. It was not just to meet some of your needs. It was not just so that you could do your thing. Yeah, the purpose of the church is to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up and that we all reach maturity in the faith. Who wants to be mature as a Christian? I won't ask this next question, but who thinks they're mature? <laughs> yeah, because some of yeah yeah, do you know what? I just yeah, who thinks they're mature? I'm not, I'm not. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Sometimes what we really need is to recognise I need help to get to maturity. I don't get to maturity because I go to church every week. I don't get to maturity because I've been to every big conference. I don't get to maturity because I go to the big things. Yeah, I know all the latest. That's not how you get to maturity. Yeah? You get to maturity when you're part of a body and a people that are preparing God's people for works of service so that the body may be built up and you reach unity in the faith. That's how you get to maturity. You don't, get, you don't even get to maturity by reading the Bible from cover to cover. Lots of people do that and they get very, very confused. God has given gifts to the church in order that the church might come to that place of maturity. Now what I'm talking about here is massive in some ways because for some of us it's like, well, wow, it's a bit late now, I mean, you know what I mean, I've got some thoughts, I've got some ideas, I've been to church, I know, yeah, some of us know. Some of us do stuff, yeah? But ultimately, God wants to build a place where the fatherless are fathered, where the lonely find family, and we're all fatherless at times, and we're all lonely at times. So it applies to all of us. The truth is, we are not there yet, yeah? And you'll know that. You don't need to tell me that. I mean, I know we're not there. We're not there yet. We can't achieve it alone. And even for me, there were moments when I thought, do you know what I mean? This is potentially going to be a challenging series for you. And so then my next thought is, maybe I could do something else. <laughs> yeah? That's your natural thought. Yeah? No, I'm going to look in the mirror here. I don't want to look in the mirror right now. I've seen enough. <laughs> this is going to be a challenging series, but also potentially encouraging and releasing let me mention two reasons why I think it could be challenging for us, for me and for you. First of all, fear often presents itself in cynicism. Fear is not always, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm scared. Oh no. Sometimes fear looks like that, but often fear can be, oh yeah, mm, yeah. Fear can come across as cynicism. And And behind that, unbelief. Yeah, I've seen it all before. Yeah, we've been there before. And that is a challenge for some of us. That through fear, we won't engage. We won't won't do what needs to be done. We'll question and query and ask some very perceptive thoughts. Give some very perceptive thoughts about stuff. But we need to understand fear can come from cynicism and cause unbelief. The other potential challenge for some of us is pride keeps us from engaging. Pride keeps us from engaging. Next week when we start, we're going to look at a passage in in Philippians 2. And really, this passage in Philippians 2, which many of you will know if you go to church at all, is one of the most amazing passages in the Bible when it it talks about uh, Jesus Not considering equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What does he do? He humbles himself. Humility is one of the biggest um, battles the Christian faces. To truly be humble, to humble yourself, to allow yourself to be um, maybe thought less of, to really go low, as Phil talked about last week, to humble yourself and not in pride to think, well, you know, I know. You don't need to tell me I know. I've read those books. I've been to those, I know those people. To humble yourself. And I think our two dangers are these. That fear will allow us to get somewhere in questioning and perceptive thoughts and cynical ideas. And secondly, pride would just stop us from engaging. Because that battle between pride and humility, uh, it doesn't rage out there. Do you know what? It rages in here. Pride and humility battle in my heart. And I know they battle in your heart. And sometimes I can come up with a form that seems like I'm being humble, but when I stand back and I look in the mirror, I go, do you know what, I mean, you're just being proud. You're just being proud. So those are dangers, I think, that there, that there is for this and for us. But the success of what we're doing is not in my hands, hallelujah. It's not me, it's not about me, and you'll know that. However, we do have a part to play. We do have a part to play. Will we be humble enough to open ourselves to play it? Our response, very simply, and we're going to sing one song as we respond. Uh, Sorry, we're going to go a few minutes over. Where's Emma? Can we just sing one song? Our response is to understand this. The reason God speaks of fatherlessness and the reason God speaks of loneliness and family and things like that is because God, from the very beginning, was a father first. He was a father first. When he created the world, he created it as a father, with a son. He didn't create it just as a being out there, a force, a power. He was a father first. That's why he made the world the way he did. That's why he made families. That's why he created marriage. Because first and foremost, God's a father. Above everything else. He was the father of creation. And that father has a son. And he created us in his own image. So we become sons and daughters of the father. And I want us to finish really just remembering that. And just as we remember Renady's powerful testimony of God was once distant and out there and then he was here in me that he's a good father
2: and that whatever
1: else might go on during this series you can know this that God is a good God it doesn't mean everything you go through is good but he is a good God he's a good God So we're going to respond just by singing uh, this song, which we've been singing for a few months now, Good, Good Father. And I, and I want us, as we sing it, just to, just to remind ourselves, God, you're good. So whatever else is to come out of this, I need to rest on the fact that you're good. Even though at times it might challenge me, at times it might make me feel vulnerable, at times I might want to run, at times I might want to just question. I just fall on the fact that God, you're good and that you only have the best for me, and that you're sovereign over all things.
0: You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com, or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.